In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hi, Betches, and welcome to Money, Please. I'm Berna Anat, also known as at Hey Berna, your personal financial hype woman bringing you the financial real talk for the real world. Can you hear my air quotes? Nothing's real. Today, we are talking about unpacking your financial feels. Did you know you have those? You have those. Yes, just like the hardcore childhood trauma that we all make funny and relatable TikToks about and then secretly cry about it later, financial trauma is a real thing and she needs to be unpacked too, okay? She's getting sweaty in there. We are going to be breaking down what is financial trauma. Do I really freaking need to unpack it? I'm unpacking so much already. And how do we start to build a healthy relationship with our money one step at a time? May I story tell real quick? Okay, thanks. So my mom was born in the Philippines on a southern island called Mindanao in the province called Davao. She and her six brothers were raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. Hardcore matriarchal agenda in my family. Now, they grew up very poor, definitely no TV in the house, but there was one neighbor in the province who did buy a TV. And so my mom and her brothers would secretly sneak up to this guy's window. They could see the TV through the window and that like little, like little chipmunks, they'd all line up in the window and watch what was popping on that person's TV. And there were no captions at the time. This is how they would watch TV every week as much as they can sneak until one day. I don't know what happened. She didn't say if, if someone started chuckling or threw a rock, but the guy noticed and he got really, really pissed, went over to the window and slammed it shut. And kept it shut. They never got to see this guy's TV again. When my mom tells that story, she always goes, she always gets very intense in this, at this part. And she goes, I promised myself right then and there that I would go to America. I would buy my own house and I would put a TV in every fucking room. My mom swears. It's amazing. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I like, she told this story 17 times. I heard it as an adult again. And I was like, oh my God, she did that shit. She did go to America. She did buy a house with my dad. And there were TVs in every room, even though we definitely grew up lower middle class. And most of these TVs were like bootleg Goodwill VCR combo situations. The VCR didn't work half the time. We only got channel three. This mindset also led to watching my family constantly spend on things that we couldn't actually afford because for many reasons, but one of them being as immigrants, they felt like they had something to prove, you know, to all the window shutters of the world. So when I found myself as an adult, quote unquote, also buying things that I couldn't afford while drowning in debt, I was like, huh, I wonder where I learned that. Okay, let me drop a fact on you real quick. According to a University of Cambridge study, our financial habits are carved out largely based on what we experience between the ages of seven and 12. I don't know about y'all, but Nobody was telling me squiggity squat about money between the ages of seven and 12, between the ages of seven and today, still nothing. So a lot of us learned 
about money from context clues of the things we saw and felt in our homes as kids. By the way, how old is my mom when she got a window slammed in her face? Seven. Okay. Okay. Science come through. And look, that's my mom's financial trauma. So this is intergenerational trauma. It traces back, it gets passed on, and I am still unpacking mine. So to help us out, we've brought along one of my absolute favorite mental health experts. We are joined today by licensed therapist, influencer, speaker, also one of my favorite creator besties, Shani Tran from The Shani Project. She's going to help us break down this topic even further. Shani, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about mental health. I love just helping people feel empowered about their narrative, their story, wherever they're at, wherever they're trying to go. So I'm excited. Let's get started. Yes. Okay. I want to hear, and I'm sure the listeners also want to hear a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about your background. What is your experience with financial trauma? And then we'll get into what even all that is. Yes. So my background is I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor in Minnesota. I'm also licensed in Arizona. I'm an LPC in Arizona. It means the same thing, just different states have different letters. And my background is that I started mental health when I was like 18 years old. I was a therapist in home to children diagnosed with autism, and I really enjoyed it. So that led me going to school, deciding to be a therapist. And part of my story is really inspired by my own background with therapists and how I struggled and how I wanted to be that for myself. So I went to grad school. I've worked in a lot of different just jobs that I absolutely love. I worked in a day treatment facility with teenagers. Right now I own and operate my own private practice where mm. I see mostly people between the ages of 25 to roughly about 40 years old. I like to say transitions. I don't like to use labels like diagnosis, just transitions in life, whether that's getting a new job, trying to make more money, having a baby, wherever people are, that's where I meet them. And Oh, when you said financial trauma, I feel like you feel like you've dealt with something and then you're like, yeah, I, I healed from it. Let me keep going. And then someone brings you back to it and you're like, oh, I felt something mm. in my stomach. When you said like my own financial trauma, I literally felt something in my stomach. Um, and I know for me, it stems from a poverty mindset of just growing up and being told no whenever I wanted things. And I come from a family of six. I am the oldest of six, a blended family. So my stepfather had two children. My mother had two children before they met. They came together. They had two children. So there were a lot of children in the house. And my parents, I would just say, were they were military, so they were in the Navy. And I would say we lived pretty much an average lifestyle for us where we grew up. We lived abroad. Um, we had houses. But for me... My mom taught me about money when I was 13 years old. I remember she handed me my first checkbook and I was like, great, I can write a check about anything. I can buy anything in the world. And she taught me how to manage a checking account, but she never actually taught me how to manage money. So I remember when I turned 18 and I could get credit cards and I was like, this is great. Like you can pay this minimum balance and you can spend all this money. You get like a thousand dollars to spend. That was my, I guess you could say my first credit card balance. And I was like, yes. So I spent it all up and then I was paying the minimum balance. So I didn't have any more, but I never was paying it off. So for me, a lot of my financial trauma stems from me feeling like my parents never provided me with enough to be able to succeed as an adult. So mm -hmm. I recognized this when I graduated with my master's. I'm not going to say my undergrad because 
there wasn't really much in between time for those student loans to kick in because I knew they were kicking in. So I said, I'm going to go back to school so they don't kick in. And I graduated from grad school and I knew I didn't want to get a doctorate. So I could not escape that six month grace period. Once it's done, the bills came. And I remember my first bill was 700 and like 70 something dollars. Mm. And I remember I was like, I only make $35,000 a year. How is this even possible? Like I have a master's degree. I cannot afford to pay this. And then I remember I was sold sort of on the, okay, you make 10 years of payments on time and you can get it forgiven, but you have to make sure that you work in like, I believe it's like a rural sort of area. Some There's a specific place that you have to work in. And I remember just constantly feeling like I will never be able to pay off these student loans. Like I will never be able to live the life I want. And the reason why I'm emphasizing the word never is because it was a very absolute thought process that I had. Never felt like that was just the life. I felt like I could not get out of that. So everything around money was never. I will never be able to enjoy vacation. I will never be able to buy the clothes I want. I will never be able to afford this. Mm. And so for me, it was a lot of crying paid. It was not payday. It felt like I was paying someone else whenever I got paid. Mm -hmm. And it was just a lot of crying. I felt it in my body. And so I remember that's when I found you. Um, And what drew me to you was I was like, she dances and talks about money. (laughs) I can get down with that. (laughs) I can get down with that. And so it was just the basics of just understanding money, because I feel like that's where sometimes we struggle when we're trying to figure out something, it's we try to solve it first, right? So for me, it was, I can't afford anything. Still, I'm still using that very absolute sort of um, narrative. Mm. And so the way that you sort of broke it down is like, I need to understand. I believe it's called Berna's wallet. What is it called? Oh, (laughs) Felicia's wallet. Felicia's wallet. The way, yes. Yes. Felicia's wallet is my my very first budgeting system that I introduced to the internet. And it was a wild time. Yes. And so I remember having that. And so I ended up calling mine just sort of like at the time it was like Shawnee's wallet. And it really, it sucked because I felt like, why are you making me look at it? Like, I don't want to have to write it down. I want to figure out a solution. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to like be thriving, but it just sort of made sense from a therapeutic standpoint that I was like, I cannot solve this. I have to figure out what the problem is before I try to come up with the solution. Mm. So that's sort of my narrative around how I found myself to be comfortable with money. And when I'm overspending or underspending, whatever it is, I really ask myself and process with myself, okay, why is this okay? Or why is this not okay? And then what do you want to do about it if you want to do something about it? Right. So what I want listeners to take away from is we are talking to literally an expert, a licensed therapist, and someone who I have had many, many financial trauma conversations with. And so if you listener are like, oh my gosh, she is so in touch with all of her financial traumas <laughs> and narrative and story. This is this is the golden standard right here. This is what we're mm-hmm. working towards. This is someone that has really not only unpacked their own financial traumas, but helps other people yeah. unpack their financial traumas. And so if your story doesn't sound as fleshed out and compact, self-compassionate as Shani's, join the club because most of us are on the other side of that. And Shani is going to talk us through a little bit about how to get to her side of things. So what is financial trauma? How would you 
define it? What, how do we understand what financial trauma is? Yes. So I look at it in the sense that I want to start with whatever it is for the person that they have experienced around their finances that they feel anxiety or worry about, or they could have flashbacks about it, or they could have physical symptoms that sort of react to spending money or receiving money. So it's when you have an event that has happened to you, Financially, we're staying in sort of the financial trauma. And when that event has happened to you, it has altered the way that you think. So that's Mm. how I think about financial trauma. And before anyone goes to the internet and starts looking up what financial trauma is, I want to say that there is not an exact definition out there for it. So what I'm taking is sort of a definition around trauma, finances, and I'm combining them so that people can understand it a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. I think some of the most fruitful conversations and exciting conversations I've ever had with you was when the two of us, me being a financially obsessed person who's loud on the internet and you being a licensed therapist, the two of us were like, wait a minute, we're talking about a lot of the same things. And I remember you telling me your clients are bringing up a lot of the same emotional issues about money when they start to talk about the technical and logistical stuff about money. And so tell us a little bit about why why is it important to explore our financial trauma, right? People come to you and they want to unpack all kinds of things. I don't imagine that people are like, money is the first thing I want to unpack. We're thinking about our childhoods and our relationships. Why is it important to think about financial trauma? Well, finances are the basics of living. It's the basic human need. You need it to fulfill those other things, whether it's a roof over your head, food, to be able to afford to do things, drive, if that's your thing. If not, catching the bus to go to work. It's a part of our life, although we may not feel like, I guess the best way, I want to stop myself there. And the best way that I think about it is, I think about that quote where people are like, um, money doesn't bring you happiness. Mm. And it's like, money does not bring you happiness, but at the same time, have you ever been broke? Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> Have you ever been broke? What are the the, the right? freaking cascading rainbow of feelings that come from the word broke? Yes. It's very different from just straight happiness. Exactly. And so the reason why it's important is because it has a connection with everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Everything, even if we don't think about it. People could be like, oh, what about dating? Guess what? You got to pay to date. Rather, mm-hmm. that's an app rather that's to go out to eat, rather Mm -hmm. that's to go to a movie, get there. You got to pay for that, right? Oh, children. Okay. Children cost money. What if you can't conceive? (laughs) Mm. What Once you give birth in the hospital, like money literally is tied to everything. And so sometimes what I do with my clients is they will be talking about something. And I always think, I need clarification. And so sometimes a lot of people want to jump to that problem solving, like I discussed earlier. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, let's like get all the facts here. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about, for instance, if someone is like, you know, I'm just feeling really dissatisfied with my job. Let's talk about why you're dissatisfied with your job. Is it the people? Is it where you work? Is it how much you get paid? And sometimes they may not say, "Mm, I can survive off of this. And I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on, stop there. What what was it? What was I seeing physically? Like it felt incongruent to me. Like you're saying I can survive off of this, but at the same time, you were kind of rolling your eyes. So I pay attention to the physical part as well as what people are saying. 
Wow. That's super powerful. The connection between what we say and what we think about money and the way that we communicate money to other people and the fidgeting and the rolling and the body movements that we feel. I know we're going to explore this a little bit more in our later episode, Loose Change, but I love the fact that there is a connection between money and the things that we say and we feel in our bodies. And there are ways that we're communicating our money traumas without understanding that we are. And of course, as a licensed therapist, you're like, I gotcha, gotcha. Can't get Mm -hmm. past me to that one. When you are leading people to unpack their financial traumas, to unpack maybe things that happened to them in their childhood or the way they feel about financial situations now, what are some common issues that you see? What, what What are some roadblocks that people experience when you're kind of leading them through this? So some of the things that I recognize is how money management is modeled. So mm-hmm. that could be a person who never feels like they will have enough. And then we talk a little bit about what it was like to watch their parents spend money or pay bills. Um, as often as kids, we don't really know sort of like the specifics of it, but we have an indicator of when it when we go to the store. Like for me, it was whenever we went to McDonald's, I was not allowed to get a drink that was sweet. It was always water. You better get Mm. the water. And Mm. so I recognize that for me growing up that whenever I look at a menu, I hesitate to get like a soda or a drink if I want one, because that that's, what's been modeled for me. And so I growing up, if I don't know any other way, I can't behave another way. So that's the first thing is how spending has been modeled. The other thing is how people's parents respond to money that is also modeled for them. So Mm. for instance, when payday comes around and maybe as a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, like I want this new toy come Christmas. We can't afford the toy. Okay. Okay. You better be happy with what we have right here. Mom is able to put food on the table for you. That is what is important. And so oftentimes Mm. we take sort of that narrative and we shape it to what we have put together in our life. So how that can look is maybe as an adult, let's say for instance, around Christmas, you might want to treat yourself, but that narrative that your mom has been saying all your life around, we do what we have to do to pay the bills. The person now feels guilt around treating themselves, even if they can afford it, because that's what's been modeled. That's what they've seen. That's what they've been told. And that's the narrative that they have. So it's a lot of that work. And then the other thing is not knowing at all like not knowing anything about finances, not being able to like, you know, I grew up in a house. Things were just, things were pretty good. I mean, my parents provided for me and then they turn 18 or they get their first job. And it's like, whoa, with this comes bills, with this comes fees. I have to put my money in a bank account. So then there's also sort of the unknown of how do I even manage this because I know I have to pay these people, but we forget. And this is one of the things that I love about you, Berna, is we have to pay ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And we forget that part. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. 
Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. What you've been saying and the way that you've been sort of emoting and scripting out the common narratives from that you've heard from clients, even things you're impacting from yourself, they're impacting me. Just you and me talking right now. I'm like, oh, that is a voice from my past. That's something that my yeah. mom would have said. And I imagine lots of folks listening are like, oh, this is what I think is so impactful and almost shocking about pe when people first encounter financial trauma, you start to hear and see things that you're like, wait, that was part of your childhood? Because that was part of mine too. Yeah. That was said to you growing up. I'm just now making the connections, connecting the dots to how that has shaped me as an adult. And so it's a little like when I first started talking to you about it, when I first started exploring financial trauma, I was like, I need to like hold on to a horizontal surface. I need to like book 17 more sessions with my therapist. And so I don't want people to feel overwhelmed by, you know, we have to dig right into the craziest stuff that ever happened to you in your childhood. What kind of advice would you give people if they're like, okay, I'm financial trauma curious now. I want mm -hmm. to start to explore it, but I want to go slow. How would you advise people to, to open, crack open that door without hurting themselves? Yeah. I think as you were talking, I was like, yes, that's very important because one of the things that I want to say is for people to remember that you're listening to an episode that I am a licensed professional clinical counselor. And although I am talking about this, opening that door without professional help can be harmful. Um, and I think about when I was having a conversation with another creator that I had met on TikTok and I was talking about sort of how I felt, how I was physically reacting to some of the things that she was saying. Mm -hmm. And she then had to pause and was like, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that because this makes so much sense for me because I'm physically reacting too. And I'm, I'm not in tune with my body like that, like you are. And for some people, when you're not in tuned and have that awareness, you can have other symptoms that come from that, like panic attack or increase your worry, your heart rate. And so one of the things that people can't see is that Right, right now in this episode, as I'm talking to you about financial trauma, there's also the part of my brain that is making me control my breathing. So mm. I'm making sure that I inhale and I'm making sure that I exhale because I'm talking about a very sensitive topic. Trauma holds itself in the body. Even if, even if you're like, I don't remember any trauma. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, you see something, you're like, oh, I don't know what that was, but I felt that. I don't know what that mm. was. Mm -hmm. that could be an indicator of trauma. And so for me, because I've been able to process this and I've been in therapy, not just as a therapist, but with my own therapist, talking about this is bringing things up in me 
but at the same time, I'm controlling my breathing. So my advice is going to be, you can talk to your friends like, hey, I heard this episode, but please talk to a professional about it. And you don't have to go in like, I I saw this episode or read this episode. I'm ready to talk about my financial trauma. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, no. Any therapist that knows about trauma is going to be like, hold on, stop. We're going to stop for a minute. We're going to slow down the narrative. We want to check in. Before you just sort of have this cathartic moment, it could be just as harmful just spilling it out if we don't take our time processing it and constantly checking in in our bodies to see where we are. Beautiful. For me, I, I would be really tempted as a listener to just like dive into it. Like like you said, I'm so glad you were like, everybody pause and breathe before you hit the Googles because I would de- I'm definitely that WebMD kind of person that's like, let me just self-diagnose and then let me just read a lot of Instagram infographics and just like sit with them and meditate on them and now mm-hmm. I am healed. That not It's not only incomplete, but it can be dangerous. So I'm so glad you pointed to getting professional help. I want to save some of this juice for our next episode or loose change episode. So for now, I want people to know, what are you up to right now? Where can they find you and learn more about your work? I could say a million things, but let me not fangirl for you. (laughs) Please take it away. Yeah. So I would say most of my work, you can find me on TikTok. People love me there. Um, We do some dancing and then we got some mental health captions. I dip into a little bit of my theater skills. We do some, I guess you could say sketches. Um, But if you really want to interact with me, I would say Instagram is probably the place just because Instagram keeps me humble with like 10K right now. So I got the time on Instagram to see your comments, see you in the DMs. And I love interacting with people. Whereas to be honest on TikTok, you know, I have a larger following over there. So it's very hard, you know, when comments come in, you sort of sometimes can get missed. So I prefer you to interact with me on Instagram and all of them are the Shawnee Project. And before people say it, no, I'm not accepting new clients. I <laughs> break everybody's hearts every single time. Every time I've done something with you, people are like, where do I sign up? And you're like, you can't. Thank you so much. Follow me on TikTok. I know, I know. But I don't want people to put sort of the energy in finding me and then sending me an email. And then I'm not going to lie. I have fear of rejecting people. I know people have fear of mm. rejection. I have fear of rejection because there's a lot that goes in to finding a therapist. And then someone finds me and they're like, you're the one for me. I'm just like, I read the email and I'm just like, why my heart broke a little bit. (laughs) Save your hearts, y'all. Save your hearts. Come for the TikTok. Stay for the interaction on Instagram. And I hope everyone takes this conversation and and cuddles it, but continues on in a responsible way because that is what myself and your Auntie Shani want for you. Thank you so much, Shani, for having the time to talk with us today. And we will revisit this in our Loose Change episode coming up. Okay, let's get this week's Money On My Mind email of the week going. Each and every week, I'm answering your questions about anything finance related. Send your emails to moneyplease at betches.com to get them answered here on this podcast. All right, let's get into it. Hey, hey, Berna. Oh, hey. Thanks for opening up this space. I'm so happy I found your podcast. I'm writing today because I've been starting to notice a bit of a dollar sign shaped roadblock in my relationship with my partner, and I'm at a loss as how to deal with it. I love that imagery. My partner who I've been with for about two years now has a very different relationship with money than me. And I've been starting to realize that it's a pretty constant source of friction between us. Even though we make a similar amount of money, he is much more reticent to spend money on the stuff than I am. So he hesitates. And even a dollar difference between two items is a huge difference to him. 
I mean, I get trying to be thrifty and love a good deal as much as anyone, but I work hard so I can enjoy life. And I don't want to feel guilty for going out to a nice dinner every once in a while and spending a bit of money for a special occasion. I have been known to spend maybe more than I should at times, but I'm starting to doubt how compatible we really are if we are so far away on this issue. Any thoughts on how we can tackle this issue and bridge that gap between us? Appreciate you. Love dollar divided bitch. Mm. First of all, love and appreciate you back. I also really love and appreciate you for voicing the financial friction of it all. A lot of people who are coupled up or in a relationship are in denial about this, but the reality is every couple is in a throuple with their money. It's true. They're in the room. They're in your bed. They're everywhere. You just got to look at them. It's real. I also want to say, I tend to be more like your boo. Okay. Daughter of immigrants. I'm frugal as hey, y'all also confused. A dollar is a big difference to me. Um, but I know because I have explored my financial trauma, I know it's not my frugality is not because I want to be picky or I want to be difficult or I want to give my partner or anyone around me a hard time. Part of it comes from growing up with super frugal, super financially kind of all over the place parents. And that that comes from my own financial experiences and traumas. That's on me now. So, okay, you should know I'm not even a little bit of a licensed therapist, but I can tell already that the two of you have had different money experiences and traumas growing up. That's just reality. These financial and traumas aren't necessarily your fault, but in my opinion, a healthy financial relationship with your boo is one in which two things happen. One, you both separately unpack why your money habits are the way that they are. We got a lot of good advice about that from Shani Tron. Shout out to her. Second thing is after you do that, after you've started that, then together from a place of accountability for yourself and then empathy for the other person, you can talk about how those habits might clash in your relationship. Not how is you as people clash, but how the habits clash because habits can be worked on. Habits can be changed. I'm also like not even a little bit of a couples therapist. I've seen one before, but I am not one. In my deeply unprofessional opinion, I think this is a very workable issue in a relationship. There are a few ways to go about it. Unpack and discuss, like we just said. But something specific you can do is create a budget that's meant specifically for splurging together, like a date fund. So like me and my partner each had our own date fund. We had separate date funds. We each set separate budgets for ourselves. For example, he might've been comfortable with $75 a month in his date fund budget. And I might've been comfortable with like $125 a month different. Then if we felt like treating ourselves together, like going out for a nice dinner, like you're talking about, we'd be like, oh, I got it. I have date fund money. Or like, wait, I just ran out. Can you get it? Can we split it from our date funds? Or like, oh shoot, neither of us got it. We got to get creative and do something else. So all that emotional energy, blame, excitement, financial, whatever, we got to direct it towards our funds and not towards each other because that's fighting. That's, that's hands. You can also have a shared date fund where you each put in what you're comfortable with and then decide together how to spend it. You can do this with nights out, with other shared things, vacations, furniture, stuff for the house, stuff for your pets, stuff for your kids, anything else you might buy together. The point is, I don't want you to be pointing your financial fingers at each other. Point that energy at your experiences, your habits, your realities, and then figure out how you can tackle it and grow together. And then invite me to the wedding. Thanks. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, now it's time for the Public Forum, brought to you by public.com. Okay, listen up. The public.com community is as diverse as the world around us. So 40% of their members are women, 45% are people of color, and 90% of their members are both first-time investors and long-term investors. It's a beautiful place to be. So every week, we're opening up the forum from our DMs to answer all of your questions and then give you one small thing to Google or to do that'll take less than five minutes because I know you're busy. To help share your submissions, we have the producer, the puppet master, the button pusher, behind money, please, Jorge. Jorge, how are you How are you financially feeling? What are your financial feels right now? I'm feeling pretty impacted by that conversation we've been having all episode. Yes. Yes. It's Is so it fascinating fun? to start thinking about, you know, what my traumas can be and what, how my relationship to money has changed over the course of my life. Truly, truly. For those of you who don't know, the reason, obviously, besides the fact that Jorge is a fantastic human being, also a fellow money nerd. And so <laughs> we're going to be doing lots and lots of unpacking together in this season. Uh, get comfy. Jorge is a character in your life now, too. Um, Jorge, what's popping with these financial feels DMs? What do we got? All right, here we go. The first one is, am I the only one who gets massive anxiety whenever I look at my bank account? Mm, the answer is hell no. So I've spent like 95% of my life avoiding my bank account. And the only reason I love it now is because I've become specifically obsessed. I made a career out of it. That's why I'm talking to you. You don't need to be obsessed like me. And so you don't have to be like clear of anxiety and like dancing every time you look at your money the way that I am. I'm going to tell you about habit stacking. It's the psychological concept of pairing something that you kind of hate, but you're trying to make a habit along with something that you love and rewiring your brain to like that thing. So you can pair checking your bank accounts with something that you actually like to do. I have a specific playlist on Spotify. When I look at my bank accounts, it's a specific money playlist. It's like six hours long. And so it's a party every damn time, even if what's in there is horrifying. My brain's like, what bank accounts is a party sick. Look up Hey Berna on Spotify. You're welcome. I need to look up that playlist. That sounds amazing. It's a quick one, but also like time box it because you're going to get sucked into the six hours of fun. <laughs> Everyone sings about money all the time. It's kind of amazing when, when you really start to look at it. All right. Yes. Next up. Is it weird to ask a coworker how much they're paid? Hell nah. Okay. It shouldn't be, but because one part of our collective, like societal financial trauma is that we were all taught to never talk about money. Everybody gets weird when you ask what someone gets paid. So if you feel like this coworker is not going to receive like a direct question, well, you could say something like, hey, 
I might be asking for a raise soon and I'm doing some research in the company to figure out the right percentage to shoot for. Do you mind me asking what the salary range is for your position? When you ask something like that, the person doesn't feel like, oh, what do you get paid? It's like, what does a person in your position hypothetically typically get paid? Takes the human out so nobody feels threatened. You could even offer your salary first if you feel comfortable. When you say it first, it sort of disarms the person. And it's kind of like when you are the first to start dancing at a wedding reception, other people are like, oh, okay, they, they look the dumbest. I'm not going to look as dumb. I'm going to get on the dance floor. I'm always the first person to dance at the wedding reception. Make sure you edit the statement I just said to whatever is true for you, okay? Don't say I told you to lie. Don't do it. It's good advice, especially now that we're going back into the office, maybe, for many people's. Going back into the office and realizing how much it costs you emotionally and financially to like be going back and forth to the office. I'm imagining lots of people are like, you need to be paying me more for everything we've gone through and all of this. So I hope it helps. Absolutely. All right. Last up we have, is making a debt payment supposed to feel good? I feel dread every single time. Sad face. Sad face. Okay. Once again, the answer is hell no. Okay. It's not supposed to feel like anything specific. Debt is one of the heaviest and most complicated layered points of financial trauma that so many of us carry. So how you feel is how you feel. Okay. Don't let anyone tell you how to feel about it. Even, even if I'm super hyper about it does not mean you're supposed to feel good about it. I feel good about it, or I felt good about when I was paying down my debt because I wasn't thinking about my debt. I was thinking about what becoming debt-free meant to me. So for me, that meant putting my two weeks into my job, buying a one-way ticket to New Zealand and traveling for a year, which I did. And so every payment, I wasn't thinking about oh, shame and dread and stuff that was there, but I was mostly focusing about what my payment meant. It meant I am one step closer to piecing out from life so mother effing hard. And that made me really happy. Also, though, if you feel dread, then you feel dread, okay? I like to treat my emotions like little house guests. They're just there. My therapist taught me that. You can accept it, but you can also plan something healing and delicious and joyful for yourself to do immediately after you hit submit, and you do that every single time without fail when you make that debt payment because, like, again, it's habit stacking. You're going to start thinking of it like, all right, I feel the dread, and that's fine, but I also get to dance pantsless to Hamilton every time, and then it's a treat, and then we love it. I got a couple other pieces, little resources, little random dollars I found in my pocket that I want to give to you, okay? I want you to get wherever you search for uh, music, wherever you listen to music and look for the song called Yay's Coins by Tony Jones, okay? Did you ever hear about financial affirmations, financial mantras? Did you know you can listen to it in a hip hop beat? Did you know that I listened to it for like three months straight while brushing my teeth and like literally some financial stuff like legit happened to me? Even if you don't believe in that, do yourself a favor, search up Yay's Coins by Tony Jones, get into it, dance around pantsless. Another thing I wanted to tell you about is where I found my therapist from which I am with which I unpack so much financial trauma. Um, and this is not sponsored or anything. I just love it. And I talk about it whenever somebody gives me a mic. Open Path Collective is a fantastic resource. It, they offer low cost sliding scale therapy. You can find a therapist in your state and you can pay out of pocket or with insurance. If your insurance gets down like that, not a lot do. You can filter even your search to say specifically, I want to talk about financial trauma. I want to talk to a therapist in this sort of range of payment that can deal with financial trauma. It's a fantastic way to sort of dip your feet into a professional conversation. Thank you so much, Jorge, for helping us out with the deposits in the DMs. How do you feel? Are you, do you feel financially more free? Do you feel financially more, more jiggly, more dancy? 
definitely on the journey. So I'm, I'm excited to see where we go. <laughs> awesome. All right, folks, that was the public forum brought to you by our friends at public.com. Remember, send in your questions to at when's happy hour on Instagram. And don't forget to check out public.com to get started on your investing journey. I love this journey for us. And you can find me there at Hey Berna. Investing is so freaking important and it's really important in terms of time to start ASAP, but you don't need to be overwhelmed. Public has hella educational tools, all these things to help you build a diverse portfolio, lots of help. It is an actual party on there. Plus, all new members get $10 worth of free stock when they sign up. Tight, right? Visit public.com slash Betches to sign up and get your stock. All right, folks, that is it for this episode of Money, Please. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast good, good. Tell your friends about it. Tell the cashier about it. Tell the next person you Venmo because you found them on Craigslist and you got a chair and you're like standing there weirdly because you're like trying to make small talk. Tell them about it. And tell the people who need financial help. Spoiler alert, that's everybody. Follow us and submit your questions to When's Happy Hour on Instagram or email us at moneyplease@betches.com and follow me on Instagram at HeyBerna. Until next time, I am wishing you love, peace, and refunded fees. Betches.